I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome, Horns 24-7 Nation, to episode 7 of the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown, joined by the Taylor Estes, managing editor of Horns 24-7, the ultimate destination for Texas Longhorns fans to come together, pull up a bar stool, and talk about this godforsaken offense. Oh, sorry. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing um, better than the Texas offense right now. I'll say that. Yeah. How about you? I hope to God I'm doing better than the Texas offense right now. <laughs> uh, I, hey, I was in Ames, mm-hmm. and uh, it was miserable. So I'm hoping that in week 11, the Texas Longhorns can somewhat figure out what they're trying to do on offense since the head coach, Tom Herman, won the Brawls Award (laughs) as the top college football assistant in 2014 for taking three different quarterbacks on that Ohio State offense to the national championship. But I digress, Taylor Estes. Taylor Estes. Yeah, twenty four seven managing editor. I want to hear from you, sister. <laughs> I'll just say this. Okay, so for me to say that I'm doing better than the Texas offense is saying a lot because I had plumbing issues all weekend long, and I currently have um, a kitchen and multiple appliances that do not have running water to them. So for me right now, saying that I'm doing better is a uh, is quite telling because that offensive performance chip. I mean. I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. I mean, this was something I kind of, if I'm honest, I kind of felt at times like I was watching the Charlie Strong offense in 2014 in that game. Well, I I guess we need to crown Colin Johnson as the MVP of this team because without him, this offense looks like a 12-year-old learning to drive stick shift. Yeah. I mean, imagine what it would be like without Devin DuVernay. Oh. Oh my gosh. I mean, I was thinking about that in the game. It's like there is one consistent person right now on the field, and it's Devin DuVernay. What would Texas have done without that? Okay, and real quick, how about the third and one? Down 20 to 7. Third and one. Devin DuVernay leads the nation in third down uh, conversion catches. And the four receivers on the field are Brennan Eagles, Jake Smith, Malcolm Epps, and Alvante Woodard. And Iowa State mans up. Sam Ellinger looks to the Brennan Eagles, Jake Smith side. They're both covered, and he gets sacked on third and one. And no Devin DuVernay. I was writing my story at that point, Taylor, to say that sequence epitomizes the Texas season, no identity on offense. This offense has not evolved. And I'm writing, 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 and then all of a sudden, the Texas offense has a 10-play drive to a touchdown, and the Texas offense pulls off an unthinkable 15-play, 89-yard drive to a touchdown, 
that took 6.43 off the clock, and they overcame second and 35 and scored on a fourth and goal from the seven. Sam Ellinger to Malcolm Epps, and I'm sitting there going, okay, scratch that. (laughs) Yeah. Texas is going to win the game. And then, God bless him. He was almost in tears today, Malcolm Roach. And I give him credit for for facing the, the media as a senior captain. He said, I'm trying to, to be there for my teammates and, and finish strong for the other seniors. And his voice was shaking the entire time. And this is Tuesday. Right. After the Saturday, and I heard he was distraught in the locker room, like, how could this happen? How could I do this? And you just feel for that kid because, man, he is he's a warrior. He cares. He gives so much. And I know as the son of a coach, that's devastating. Oh, yeah. I mean, no doubt about it. I think that the thing with that, it's so uncharacteristic, I think, of him because of how you know, just solid of a leader he's been this season. And not that that, you know, mistake really um, made him not a leader or anything like that. I'm not trying to say that. But just the fact that, you know, he was trying to make the play. And it's like, you know that coaches have since, you know, high school probably been telling them if it's third or fourth and four and they're attempting a field goal, don't jump. Like, just let it go. You know what I mean? And it's like... That was just such a mental error that you hate to see for him because you're right. Like he truly does care. He's been the he's been the voice and the just the rock and foundation, honestly, of that defense um, because of his leadership and the presence that he has in the locker room. I mean, you know, every single hype video that Texas puts out right now, you hear Malcolm Roach talking in it. You know, it's not right. it's not just Tom Herman or Yancey McKnight. It's it's Malcolm Roach that you're constantly hearing. Right. And I wonder, I wonder how that, that sequence, that end of game affects him. Does it cause him to play out of his mind this, this week at Baylor? Does it shake some of his confidence? What, you know, we'll have to wait and see, obviously. Um, And then Sam Ellinger, he looked furious with the play calling uh, on that final possession by Texas with four minutes left to run it twice into the basically into the back of their guards and then throw short of the sticks on third and 10 where a bubble screen was broken up by Iowa State's nose tackle yeah I mean that guy knew what the heck was coming and Sam Ellinger went off the field looked like he had a couple words for Tom Herman and I i I can't imagine. I mean, if I'm Sam Ellinger, I'm furious because yes. I'm I just led you on a 15 play drive overcame second and 35 and you're not going to let me throw it down the field. Why are, why aren't we back in four wides and going up tempo and trying to to I mean that 15 play drive took 6 minutes off the clock. Tom yeah. Herman's trying to get him to burn one time out? Yeah. I mean, that, you know, <laughs> Tom Herman was asked about that at his Monday press conference, the, that play calling sequence. And, you know, I, I don't have his quote in front of me at this moment, but he said something along the lines of, oh, well, you know, if I had gone and had thrown three incompletions, you guys would be asking me a lot like harder questions. And it's like, what? I mean, yeah, what? it's 
it's just something that I just say if you don't believe in your quarterback. Yeah. And it's like, why wouldn't you? I mean, is like, I know Sam has made some errors. I don't think it's necessarily all him though. You know what I mean? I think that, I mean, the OU game, they got after him early because the offensive line couldn't block for anything. I mean, they were blocking like a wet paper bag. So, I mean, no, I mean, that's just, I don't know. And then the lack of, the lack of answers is just something that I think is starting to like infuriate some Texas fans right now, because it's, it's like, who, like, do you just not know, or are you just trying to like, you know, be as defensive as possible, you know, cause it's kind of like a weird, I don't know. What's your thought? You were in the post game with Tom. You know, was, what's your thought with that? It was bewildering. It mm-hmm. was, it, everyone was bewildered. The players were bewildered. The media, um, you know, Tom Herman was asked, were you out coached? And he snapped. I'd never say we were out coached. And then he tried to clean that up on Monday, which sounded like a, someone in, from PR school had, told him, hey, you need to sound contrite because you totally got outcoached. But, um, you know, you're right. There are bigger picture issues here that they can't get this thing figured out. This offense is not evolving. And um, Sam Ellinger is not being put in good positions. This, And you've got Tom Herman, Larry Fedora, Andre Coleman, Tim Beck, Herb Hand, all – and then all the assistant coaches in those meeting rooms putting the game plan together. And this is what we're coming up with. Right. It's, it's discouraging. Taylor, with Baylor up next, and Baylor is trying to figure out what the bleep happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell the people what the time of possession was in the second half of the Baylor OU game <laughs> when Baylor gave up a 25-point lead. Um, it was five minutes and 40 seconds total, a minute total. 42 in the third quarter, three minutes, 58 seconds in the fourth quarter. Unbelievable. Yeah. Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts, he turned it over in the first half. He clearly came out in the second half saying, I'm going to win this game if I have to run it every damn play. And he pretty much did. Yeah. I mean, that was unbelievable when they went up. So. I mean, I got to be honest, when they went up that big in the first half, um, up, what was it, 28 to three, I was just kind of like, oh, like, this is a blowout. Like, my gosh, like, I did not expect this, but okay. And then um, I had heard, like, it in the other room, the the TV being on, because I was doing my own work, and I like, heard, like, something about, like, Oklahoma, so I went out there, and it was, I forget what the score was, it was within, like, three points, I think, and I was like, wait, what the heck just happened here? Yeah. <laughs> like... My goodness, I mean, th- I mean, if if I'm Texas, though, I'm I'm not too thrilled to be facing this Baylor team because you know that they're furious. You know, I mean, no doubt they were, you know, kind of already being like not getting the credit that they deserve nationally, being one of the few undefeated teams out there with a you know two two loss SEC teams ahead of them in the college football playoff rankings. Then that happens. I mean, I just think that Matt Rule is going to have these guys ready to play lights out, and you know, it's going to be really big for Texas, in my opinion, to stop Baylor. You know, Texas has not been great at stopping first possessions uh, defensively for you know going up against opponents' offense, 
Um, and Baylor has only scored seven points in seven conference games on their first offensive possession. So this is a chance for Texas to get off to a positive start defensively, um, you know, whether they take the field first or if their offense takes the field first. But against Baylor, I mean, it's clear that Baylor has struggled on those first opening possessions. So that's an opportunity I think that Texas could have to take an early lead and maybe shake off some of the, the rust from just the beatdown and abysmal performance that the offense put up against Iowa State. Yeah, Matt Rule said they got caught looking at the scoreboard, wishing the time off the clock, you know, just hoping that 25-point lead would hold up instead of continuing to play. Yeah. And they just kind of started waiting on someone else to make a play, and Oklahoma got momentum, and and they froze. Right. And choked. And so how how do they bounce back? I mean, they're playing Texas for a berth in the Big 12 championship game. Say no more. Matt Rule, Tom Herman know each other from – their days in the AAC and and so you know this is you know two coaches who came in at the same time three years ago and and Matt Rule has got Baylor headed uh, right where Texas was headed last year right. and now Texas is trying to pick up the pieces so I think it's a fascinating storyline and if I'm Tom Herman and all those offensive coaches, I am staying up all night, every night, trying to come up with a game plan that is not going to embarrass myself or my team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that Baylor, honestly, I feel like the way that Baylor played against Oklahoma was kind of the way that Texas played against Oklahoma in last year's Red River shootout in the fourth quarter. They, they were playing like preventative, you know, and it's like you can't let a Kyler Murray just you can't give him cushion. You can't do that. You can't let give Jalen Hurts cushion. And that's what Baylor did. I felt like that was so similar to me because what Oklahoma scored 21 points on Texas in the fourth quarter in that game in 2018. I mean, it just really reminded me, to be honest, of that. The only thing that Texas came out above um, OU then instead of Baylor. But I mean, <sighs> This is this is not the best time, I think, for Texas to be heading to Waco. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating. This is all on the offense. You know, the defense is getting healthy, and you can tell that they're better when they're healthy. Um, they're progressing, and right now the offense is regressing, and, you know, you don't want to be um, entering your 11th game on the schedule uh, with – trying to like search for that identity offensively when it was supposed to be a strength for you this season. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm definitely, um, going to be watching this one closely to see if Tom Herman, like how you said, you know, if they can maybe throw in some new wrinkles cause they haven't done that. Um, and they're going to have to, I think against this Baylor defense with that though, let's, uh, let's bring in publisher of horns, 24, com, Bobby Burton for a rapid fire segment with chip. Bobby Burton, how are you doing, my friend? Doing good today, Chip. How about yourself? I mean, it's uh, a lot of head scratching going on. Talking to the players today, they they were very, you know, we just got to do it for our seniors. We got to stay focused. We can't let our seniors down, but kind of a somber tone. 
And Malcolm Roach was nearly in tears today talking about how he, you know, is trying to to be a good leader for his team after jumping off sides on that field goal. I mean, he, that, I give that kid credit for showing up to face the media today. Cause and that was, that was tough. I, I'm just going to say this. I, I, I appreciate Malcolm Roach's, uh, uh, feelings because I think we all understand that he, he did something you want to do, but don't lay this at the feet of Malcolm Roach. That defeat was a, it was a, a thorough one from the standpoint of everybody had something to blame, uh, including the Texas coaching staff, and in particular the Texas coaching staff, in my, yeah. in my opinion. Yep. The offense couldn't move the football. Um, and, you know, frankly, the defense played bend but don't break when they couldn't even bend, you know? Well, let, me ask you, so, let, me ask you, let me ask you this, Bobby, because I did ask Sam Ellinger because I noted that, I, you know, I was in Ames – I saw him come off the field on the three and out at, with four minutes left. And he which, looked, what, 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 the one, which one of the eight three and outs did you see him? Right. Come the on. last one. The, the, <laughs> the, 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 the fatal of one. Eight, of eight. Yes. The yeah. fatal one of eight. The eighth yeah. of eight. Yeah. And where they ran it into the back of the guard twice and then threw basically behind the line of scrimmage incomplete on third and ten. That, the, those tackles saw didn't even by chance see coming, did he? I mean, he was right, already that, he was already he was in Duvernay's pocket. Uh, the nose tackle got there. Yes, yeah. So amazing. It the really nose it really surprised out the Iowa. State. That was just a great play call to surprise Iowa State. I mean, totally had him. Yeah. Fooled. Yeah. No, I know. I'm I'm not. I'm trying to be facetious, and and I, it's uh, painful to talk about. But go ahead. But Ellinger looked pissed off that. You know, it, and it looked like he had a word with with Tom Herman for a second. And then, you know, today I said, Sam, you had just led a 15 play drive where you overcame second and 35. You were 7-11 passing on that, including a, a fourth and goal touchdown pass from the seven. You know, were you surprised that y'all didn't spread it out and go up tempo again and and get going and he tote you know touted the company line i i do what i'm told and i'm confident in our play calling and and i i did what i was asked to do um but let me ask you this bobby the only way texas it seems has has been able to move the ball in their last three road games all losses was by going up tempo and spreading it out and just Getting going, I mean, doesn't that have to be the base offense this week, or at least a big chunk of it to get going? There's um, such a slow starting football team. I don't. I really don't know that that home and away has anything to do with it, even though the stats may tell you differently. Um, and so I, I would suggest that that there may not be enough data in that. I mean, it's like if you you play three three football games, you're not necessarily going to get a true picture of, of it all. So I, I don't know that home and away is, is necessarily it. I do think that teams, when you play away, are more likely to try to take away the run to try to disrupt the audibles that you try to check into um, because you, they want you to check more at the line of scrimmage out of runs. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so 
that actually can be uh, a byproduct of that desire. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that makes them good run defenses per se. It's just what they're trying to do because it's, it can be more difficult to, to, to audible in certain instances. It was clear though, uh, in, uh, Dallas, it was clear in Fort Worth and it was clear in Ames that those three teams had decided to not allow Texas to run the football and they were going to make Sam Ellinger pass to beat them. Sam Ellinger failed miserably against OU and TCU to do that. He had Iowa State on the rails. Uh, they, they, were, they were getting beat. Texas had the ball back, had scored in the two pre, on the two previous possessions. Texas, Texas goes out in 11 personnel instead of 10 personnel. I mean, literally, why not go out there with five wides from your own 20 or 25, whatever it was they were at that, that final drive, and just run a QB draw? That would have gotten that would have you would have seen a three man front with two linebackers. You would have at least gotten three or four yards out of that compared to what they tried to do, which is this off guard tackle offset line that had gotten zero yards the first time they tried it and got zero yards the second time. It, it's just uh, I don't know what to tell you or what they were thinking. They were probably thinking, gee, we've got the lead. Let's protect the lead. But. I think that's that's part of Tom Herman's M.O., and I think it's a problem. Um, it's a greater problem than what some people may realize because in this day and age, it's not about protecting leads. It's about blowing games open more frequently. It's about scoring as many points as you can, um, not just – I know everybody can say, well, let's just score one more than your opponent. Yeah, that's that's a hard thing to accomplish. What's not hard to accomplish – is scoring as many as you can. Yeah, and I, I think that you then rely on the other team to allow or to, to dictate uh, outcomes. And I, I think that we've seen Tom Herman's teams play. How many – he's coached, I guess, what, 30 games now at Texas or so, 34 maybe, 32. How many have been one-score games? More than half, correct? Yep. Okay, that's – I, I bet you could go look at any other coach in the Big 12 and that number wouldn't even be close as a percentage. I'd I have to go do the numbers myself. But there is a reason for that, and that's because how he is coaching the games. He's not, he is too often allowing the opponents to dictate the outcome of the game instead of allowing the Longhorns to dicta dictate the outcome of the game. That may have worked when he didn't have the players on offense, he's and on defense now. He's starting to get some players that are his. That are, I think. I mean, you look at guys like B.J. Foster and Caden Stearns and Joe Osai and Keandre Coburn. Those guys are sophomores now. They're getting ready to be juniors next year. They're 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 good enough to dictate outcomes of games themselves, as opposed to um, having a coach coach it out of them. And I think if we don't see that. Um, in the next, you know, what, 15 games, I, I would be, I would be remiss to say that there's not an issue in, in really mindset from, from the head coach. Well, it looks like Colin Johnson 
is not going to play against Baylor. It looks like Jordan Whittington's not going to play against Baylor. What what's the problem with Jordan Whittington? I mean, what I I thought two weeks ago we were talking about him being back. Yeah, and the, he's got this pain still from the scar tissue of the surgery. Gotcha. So that's troubling. But um, they're going to have to go back out there with the same cast as they had at Iowa State, and they're going to go up against a better defense, a much better defense uh, in Baylor, who has all their studs, James Lynch, James Lockhart, Bravion Roy uh, on, you know, on the D-line. They're leading the nation in uh, sacks with a three-man rush. They... Uh, are leading the Big 12 in sacks. They lead uh, the Big 12 in scoring defense, which is nice, pass efficiency defense, and um, turnover margin. And they also lead the nation in blocked kicks with five. So this is a Baylor team that's playing with a ton of confidence, especially on defense, and they have one of the best stories going. And Terrell Bernard, who comes off the bench, to uh, take over for uh, Clay Johnston, who was their preseason Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He has a season-ending knee injury, and all Terrell Bernard does is lead the Big 12 in tackles the last seven games, including 19 tackles against TCU, earning him the Nagurski Player of the Week, and 15 tackles against OU. So my sense is... If, if the game plans against Oklahoma, TCU, and Iowa State are any indication, Texas is going to have to be in the hurry up uh, if they want to put any points on the board unless the defense is going to be able to turn over Charlie Brewer or you know force some turnovers, which now what, six turnovers in a row forced by the Texas defense have led to zero points by the Texas offense. So... And Baylor's playing for a Big 12 championship. Put that on the head coach, too. I mean, not kicking yeah. the field goal on Saturday was just bizarre. But And then to run quarterback power right. I mean, look, I, I'm not I, – I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, I, even though I am currently. Um, I, I, think that, I think that with Baylor, um, I like their secondary more than I liked Iowa State, even though I did like um, – uh, Eyesworth at Iowa State. I think Baylor with Graylin Arnold back there. They have some guys that can make some – Chris Miller, another one, that can make some game-changing plays. Um, so, yeah, they do have a better all-around defense. And I, and I would caution one thing, Chip. You keep saying up-tempo. I don't have a problem with going to the line of scrimmage early. But to go up-tempo and then run it behind your guard for zero, zero yards on third and one is not the up-tempo that they need. Right. You know, they don't need to hurry up to the line of scrimmage to screw up or right. to uh, miss a chance. So, um, Sam Ellinger told I, me today that when we go up tempo, we have incredible athletes and we get them into space. And we, we, when we get into tempo, the pass opens the run and vice versa. We're more carefree and not thinking. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, so, up tempo, though, is it. I don't think tempo is the right word, though. I mean, I know that, that even the players and the coaches use that, Chip. It, it, it's less less deliberate, maybe. I mean, it's get to the line of scrimmage and figure it out as opposed to, you know, walk out and 
look at it five times and try to beat down the, the play clock below five seconds. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. The fake um, clap, the look back. Yeah. I think, I think there's a difference. And so I, I, what I'm trying to say to you is there's people, whenever I think of tempo and up tempo, I'm, I'm reminded of what Art Bryles and Baylor did, or maybe what Mike Leach has, has done in the past at Texas tech. You know what I mean? I, so there's a new style of up, up tempo, I guess. And, and so I just wanted to clarify that, but yeah, it might not be 12 seconds, Yeah, but it get my, might be 15. You get my point. I, yeah. I'm just trying to clarify it's, the two different things. And, they need the defense to not be set. They need the defense to be scrambling. And, and so, I mean, what we saw in the, the 15 play drive, um, you know, when they're just getting up to the line and, and hand signals and, Away we go. It it's uh, it's worked repeatedly um, at times in these in these games where they've you know not been able to establish any kind of running attack, and that's the problem. They have they established the run beautifully against K State, a team that stacked the box, and then they they go to Iowa State and Keontae Ingram gets eight carries. I mean that was well, a give up. He got it. Got eight carries for nine yards. Yeah, I mean, I I would have given up two at that point. I mean, there there comes a time where you, I mean, he got a carry on that last drive. He shouldn't have got. Should have only had seven. <laughs> so I mean, I guess what I'm saying to you is, uh, Iowa State was going to stop the run and make Texas beat them in the passing game. They absolutely were going to stop the run on the final drive. So I mean, even even then, I I agree with you and I hear what you're saying. I think Baylor has better athletes than than Iowa State in some low at some level, um, and so I think you'll you'll see that especially at corner, uh, you'll see more contested throws, um, and I think that second level throw to Devernay they'll sit on better. Mike Matt Rule's a good defensive coach; he'll have the guys ready. Um, the hurry up won't affect them as much as maybe it might some other schools um, because of that, but. Uh, look, I, I think it's a tough matchup for Texas. Um, Texas has to play. They can't play bend but don't break in quarter one and get behind. Because Charlie Brewer, as much as people make a, a big deal out of him bringing his team from behind, he's not necessarily the ideal come-from-behind quarterback. Um, he doesn't have this huge arm. He's, he's got to throw it twenty time, or 10 times to get it downfield. Uh, he's got some receivers now. He's got uh, – some guys that can really go, whether it's Denzel Mims, Chris Platt, or I mean, they, they've got four or five guys that can really run. Um, and so I get that. My, my take on it, though, is a little different in that um, I just think that Baylor matches up particularly well on defense with Texas's offense because I think they have the speed at corner uh, to kind of play some off or to play man coverage and really test Texas. Brennan Eagles. It, as, as much as he has improved this year and it's clear that he's he's trying to become a, a, a threat long term here for the horns I don't know that that he's going to be a guy that can get open uh, against Baylor with with unless Baylor's playing zone so um I know people don't want to hear that um but if they double DuVernay yeah, I think it's going to be a uh you know, Malcolm Epps is not a get-open guy. He's supposed to be a box-out guy and have this large catch radius, but he hasn't really proven to have 
he's had a, the catch radius of someone six foot, not someone six foot six. Yeah. And I think you had John Burke to that, who's not really a uh, uh, exact receiver, if if that's a good word. I mean, he's <laughs> that not is the nicest way of saying the guy has clapboard hands. Yeah. Um, well, it's not, not just his hands. I think that he his route running is lacking because of time and track and, you know, he. I mean, he misplayed a ball in the air from Ellinger that I thought he could have made a play on, but he, he could have kept running and caught that ball uh, like uh, for no reason. Started running sideways a little bit. I, I that's my point though is that with that group of receivers, I don't. Uh, they're going to stack the box and going to let guys, going to let their their DBs play that are pretty good. Yeah. Baylor will, and so. You know, I, here's what it's going to come down to, Bobby. It's going to come down to is Sam Ellinger ready to do what Jalen Hurts did last week? And well, he's not Jalen Hurts, though. No, I know. I mean, Sam Ellinger. Here's the difference. Oh, oh, though, okay? oh, we know when the big game is on the line, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ellinger has run 15 to 20 times. He's gotten the guy's a crash test dummy. He's so tough. He takes hit after hit after hit. And he wills his team to victory. We have not seen that from him. Still, I'm not talking about that. He is tough, and, and you will not get any argument from me at all about Sam Ellinger's toughness, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Jalen Hurts is a true four five five guy. Sam Ellinger's not. He's not going to hurt you for 60 yards in a single run. Well, Jalen Hurts. Six. I, uh, no, they don't. You're going to have to have some big plays against Bay. Well, the, it, they got to have better than 26 carries for uh, two yards. Uh, two yards a pop. Look, I agree with all that. What I'm saying to you is Jalen Hurts is a runner, is a dramatically different runner and ability-wise than Sam Ellinger. And so I totally agree to, with that. To equate the two, I think, is unfair. It's not, it's not unfair. It's just they're going to let Sam Ellinger get his six and seven yards when it's third and or when it's first and 10, they're not necessarily going to let him do it when it's third and four. Um, and, and, and rule will call the defense that way. So, I mean, my, my point to you is more about, you know, what can Texas exploit against Baylor? Well, I think they're going to have to pop some big plays. I think somebody's going to have to step up, whether that's Eagles on a post route that Sam, doesn't throw late or underthrow or overthrow or DuVernay finding a way to, to be the stud that he's been all year long. Uh, you know, they need to find, they need to find something and they need to find it quick. I mean, the one thing I will tell you that, that we didn't mention, um, and I hope you, I would think you would agree with this. I mean, how long did it take Texas to even try something different on offense? In that it's, first half, not until the final minute. Right. I mean, it's, it's been, they, it's you do that at Baylor. Point. I mean, come on. You're going to get lit. It, it, it's just, I, I can't, I can't. Um, There's a part of me, Bobby, that thinks that Baylor's about to unload a can on Texas this, this week. Well, I think there's certainly some pent up frustration in that uh, with Baylor for Texas because of, Everything from the Art Briles resignation to uh, everything on down. And I, I, you know, 
I can understand it. And if things start going bad, they can go bad quickly. I think Texas has enough athletes to keep them in the game if they they stick together, you know, but. Well, well here's my I, I sense frustration from Sam Ellinger that I have not sensed at all. He's been a warrior for Tom Herman. He's been a locker room voice for Tom Herman. We know Tom burns hot players. If depending on your position group coach and that guy's ability to, you know, communicate and make you feel better about things and play the good cops. Some are way better than others, as we we know. Um, if Ellinger is frustrated and feeling like he's not being heard or he's not being respected. I mean, if, if I'm Sam Ellinger. And I'm I'm a guy who threw for 25 touchdowns, five interceptions last year, set the Big 12 record, 308 passes attempts without an interception. And I just led my team on a 15-play drive where I overcame second and 35, and I was throwing it all over the place, completed passes of 30 and 26 yards and seven yards on fourth and goal. And then those are the play calls with four minutes left. I'm pissed beyond belief because you didn't trust me to go win this game. You you wanted to put it back in the hands of our defense. He turtled. Uh, Herman turtled. And that's, that's, Sam Ellinger, that's what I was trying curious. to get at. No, Chip, that's that's exactly 100% what I was, I was trying to and get at. And if they at. don't I mean, get that ironed out this week, Bobby, they're going to get crushed by hey, Baylor. Because time out. Baylor's it's, playing it's with not, a it's not just It's not a just this week thing, Chip. That's what I'm trying to get at. I think it's an overarching theme that needs to be worked out. Yeah, that's been that way for these last three road games where they've uh, it's been that way for the last three years based on I'm trying to tell you. Well, last year, the offense carried the team and they got better. They they carried they carried the team. But how many close games did they play? Oh, a lot. Okay, a lot. That's what I'm trying to say to you. The, the, The offense was selectively rolling at times. There were times last year when they they couldn't get going and or sat on it for a couple series. I mean, I'm not trying to. I firmly believe they have to reconfigure what their what their mentality is at some level because three air yards in a cloud of dust doesn't work if um, you're running behind Reese Loud laid out right now because he's not good okay, enough. I want to ask you this, Bobby, because I've I've lost faith in what I, if I got Larry Fedora in the room, I got Andre Coleman, I got Herb Hand, Tim Beck, Tom Herman, and these are the game plans that have been coming out. Uh, I mean, look, OU, I mean, TCU. No, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, Joe Brady, everyone tells me at LSU that Ensminger calls the plays, but it's all Joe Brady's offense. So Larry Fedora can sit in that room and come up with the game plan. And there's been no evolution of this offense. So Tom Herman, to me, this is his greatest sin this year. Is he has not evolved the offense. Everybody's blaming Ellinger. Ellinger's not being put in position to win. He's not. There's been no evolution of this offense. And in the RPO world, where you got you got Brent Deerman at Kansas lighting it on fire, you got Joe Brady at LSU, and Texas is over here with what seems like some old guard. You know, hey, we were good back in uh, 2014. But the RPO game has already changed five times since then. And Texas looks like they don't have a clue to how to get to this party. Mike Gundy goes and finds guys on the Internet, and his offense roars every year. This 
this year, this offense, I mean, Tom Herman, if he doesn't walk away from this season saying, okay, I, I'm going to, we got to go throw the bank at Joe Brady, or I got to go find the RPO guy, then I don't know. I don't think Tom Herman's going to make it unless he goes and finds someone who can call the plays and evolve the offense. This piecemeal, hey, let's all work on the game plan. I got head coaching duties, but I'll be back in an hour. No, that's not going to compete. That's not going to that's not going to work yeah, against well, Lincoln Riley. Look, I, of the group you mentioned, the only one who I consider other than Herman that I consider capable of calling plays at a quasi elite level would be Fedora, not not Tim Beck and not uh, Andre Coleman. Um, and so I don't know enough about how they're they're setting that uh, work work product up. I mean, I don't know what the input looks like and what the output I can see the output, I guess, but I don't know what, <laughs> what's going all into it and who's right. doing what and adjustments. Um, my, my issue is larger from the, the standpoint of it, it needs to be in this day and age, it needs to be a more aggressive offense in my opinion, instead of a jam it down your throat offense. Um, I just don't think, I mean, look, Wisconsin has as good a jam it down your throat offense as possible, right? I mean, would you, yeah, anybody think that anybody anywhere in the country has done a better job than Wisconsin jamming it down people's throat? Yep. The the answer is no. Maybe Boise a ton with play action, but the answer is no. Same with Washington, okay, with Chris Peterson. They do it as well as anybody, um, but they can't get to the promised land either because they're, they, they're not scoring enough points in big games. They're getting, he- I mean, just not. Um, so, because you start, you start being able to, to stop the run and man up outside with, with elite corners, and all of a sudden that offense looks pedestrian and or not necessarily pedestrian. It's just easier to get off the field against. And when we're talking about playing against the spread or RPO, you're talking about scoring an amount of points that becomes paramount um, to everything else going on. And uh, really, you, you doing that offense, even though sometimes they can go out and beat somebody 45 to 10 against, you know, who knows, Michigan State in, in an off year, that doesn't say what they're going to be able to do against an Ohio State or a uh, Iowa or Penn State that plays good solid defense and no and has the athletes to do that and that's where I'm coming back to you um, with what Herman has done what he did at Ohio State he had superior athletes to everybody he had you know uh, he had Ezekiel what, Elliott Michael Thomas oh, he had how about three three of those receivers were NFL guys yeah I mean nine of the 11 defensive players, NFL guys. I mean, they had, that wasn't just a offensive juggernaut. I mean, that they, they had, they were dripping with talent. Texas is not there yet. Um, and so I, I think that I, you know, I, I sound exasperated somewhat because I think it's true. Here's, here's what drives me crazy. Lincoln Riley bases his offense around the counter tray. He runs counter all the time and it's, amazing because it 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 leads to misdirection it, time out it, it helps when you have a center like he has let's see what he does next year 
Okay. I mean, I'm Zach- not saying that. I mean, he's got a center that can literally handle the nose. So that change that can change for him in a moment's so, no, He's had that. Uh, anyways. Yeah, but the ahead. point of Keep the going. counter is if you're if you even if you don't have a center who can handle the nose and you got it, all he needs to do is wall him off while the the counter block you know gets into position. But Lincoln Riley, Tom Herman has run counter. He ran it with Chris Warren, and Warren averaged eight yards a carry. Now, granted, it was against some non-conference, you know, tomato can back in his first year. Then he never ran it again. And he's run two-back stuff with fly sweep action at Houston. We've seen no evolution of this offense. It's confounding to me. And I'm just, I'm sitting here going, are, are they game planning? Do they, what are they doing? He's I mean, holding it for the Big 12 championship against Oklahoma. Oh my God, Bobby. <laughs> I'm, I can't tell you. I mean, I'm leaking. My, my, uh. My belief, my belief tank is leaking like crazy right now. I mean, it's taking gunfire and it's springing leaks all over the place. Um, I hope Tom Herman has got some really talented offensive minds on speed dial because this is garbage. And I don't know how motivated Larry. Everyone's like Larry Fedora, Larry Fedora. I'm like, Larry Fedora is getting three million a year for the next three years. And he'll take offset if he decides to become the OC at Texas. Is he burning in the RPO game to to compete with Lincoln Riley when he could just be sitting back collecting three mil for? Here, here's the issue, though. Tom Herman needs to be burning like Lincoln Riley. Yes. And so I yes. think I think Herman actually is. I think he's got to do something about it, though. And I think that he's tried and he, he tried to do this at. Um, his first year with Beck, and Beck just proved terrible, incapable. Um, Major called the plays at Houston. Right, that's what, I, that's what I'm trying to get at. So right. there's there's a there's a level there of possibility. My issue, and what I'm trying to get at, is that they cannot um, go into a situation where they they think they're going to be able to just be better than everybody right now because the the whole Big Twelve runs offensive style that can score points. Um, and the, the quality of quarterbacks that are in the big 12 on the whole are better than just about any conference there is. Yep. And so I, I just feel like, you know, the minute you take a step back from not putting your foot on the pet on foot on the gas on offense is the minute you let another team or another program uh, step in, step in front of you. So All right, last that's, thing, that's Bobby, my opinion. Last thing, Matt Rule, Tom Herman came in at the same time. They know each other from the AAC when Matt Rule was at Temple and Tom was at Houston. And and Temple actually got over on Houston the in Herman's second year there. But the job that Matt Rule has done in my mind, Matt Rule got out of his comfort zone and treated his the hiring of his coaching staff like a big boy and hired prominent Texas high school coaches um, like Joey McGuire and From Sean Hill. Bell. Yep. yep. And, 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 you know, tried to hire, you know, Jeff trailer. 
he came to Texas and tried to hire Texas guys. Herman put a nice staff together at Houston, but then when he could write big checks and go get whoever he wanted, he stuck with his guys from Houston. And I don't, I don't know who tells Tom Herman the truth. I don't know who tells him, Hey Tom, this isn't working dog. And you know, Hey, why don't you try? It's time to love up the guys today, you know, take them to a movie or give them a hug, you know, and not this just constant, you know, burning down their, their necks. But I just, I'm so impressed by what Matt rule has done because his team is tough. They're physical. They come at you and they are sound. I mean, defensively, they are the best defense in the Big 12, and it's real. And I think if if Tom Herman's not totally on the same page with Sam Ellinger and they don't have a, an incredible week of game planning, I think this thing's going to go sideways on Saturday. Yeah. I think it's possible. I, I, I don't know... I don't know that I'm ready to, to say that. I, I think that I think that Baylor's had their own issues on offense. Now, if they hit a couple big plays later, uh, early, my my thought process immediately changes. But Baylor's had some issues itself on offense. Um, you know, they what did they score in the second half? None. Zero. Yeah. So twenty four to zero. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. So I'm not I'm not sitting here saying Baylor. Is horrible on offense. Far from it. Um, I'm just saying they're they're dealing with their own demons right now um, on that side of the ball. Uh, so I, I think their offensive line is broken down at times this year. Not all the time. Obviously, they've got a great record and playing good football. But their offensive line has not been as good as maybe their quarterback. Their run game with Hasty. I think Hasty's a really really solid back that's underappreciated in this league. Um, and then, like I mentioned, I think. I mean, Denzel Mims is a lot like Des Bryant, in my opinion. Um, don't think he's quite as good as Des. I think he's actually faster than Des, though, and, and just as big a body. But we'll see how it goes on Saturday. Bobby, great stuff as always, my friend. Let's do it again next week. Keep the faith, Chip. Keep the Keep faith. Keep the faith. I'm leaking. I'm <laughs> leaking. My, my belief tank is leaking, Bobby. Maybe it was at Ames. It was just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, Waco, Waco this week. We'll see if it can get any better. Hey, I, I gotta, I gotta say, it could have something to do with the eight three and out. Can you leave oh, so. <laughs> All righty, man. All right, let's do it again next Take week. It easy. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are joined now by Elliot Coffey, former linebacker uh, at Baylor and wrapped things up there in 2011, really started to turn uh, the tide for Baylor um, under Art Bryles when they started to become, you know, two-time Big 12 champion and and start dealing, you know. Um, Elliot, man, we appreciate it. You also do some work with the, uh, the Baylor uh, broadcast, football broadcast. You're doing... Uh, all kinds of analysis, providing great insight uh, into Baylor football now under Matt Rule. So, man, we appreciate you taking some time with us. Yeah, man, I'm doing my best Chip Brown impression down in Waco, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be on here with you guys today. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to say, I've been studying Baylor and watching. I watched the uh, the Baylor Oklahoma game. Yeah. Again, uh, obviously, the first half was was sort of a dream for, for Baylor and, and Baylor fans and the, the second half kind of a nightmare. But I'll tell you, they just play so hard. They play so connected. Uh, Charlie Brewer is a, a warrior, a guy who's always going to uh, lead his team uh, in the fourth quarter. And, and then the defense, Elliot, this is the side of the ball that just has me like glowing. Um, and, I want to start with Terrell Bernard because I think this guy is he might be the Big 12 defensive player of the year and he's replacing the guy that might have been the Big 12 defensive player of the year. Give me your thoughts on Terrell Bernard uh, who replaced Clay Johnston who was the leading tackler at the time he suffered a season-ending knee injury against Texas Tech and now Terrell Bernard has averaged 13.3 tackles um per game in his last uh, three games. So, you know, give me your, uh, give me your take on uh, Terrell Bernard. Yeah. I mean, the guy's just a warrior. I mean, he, he understands the game at, at a pretty unique, uh, pretty unique level. And, and part of what's so impressive is that Terrell started out battling for the weak side linebacker position this year. He didn't even play middle linebacker. Um, it was him and Jordan Williams who's now playing in that position. And Terrell was a guy that, you know, clearly last year as a, as a young guy out there playing, showed a lot of promise, but made some of those young, young mistakes, right? Being out of position, you know, not crossing face when he's hitting offensive linemen. But what you saw this year, uh, particularly when, when Clay went down, is, is the, as a hole in our defense and the need for someone to not only step up from a production standpoint, but also a leadership standpoint. And so, what you've seen Terrell do is nothing short of incredible. I mean, you talk about how against Oklahoma State shows up for his first start, uh, goes out there, has 15 tackles, has a touchdown, you know, wins Big 12 Player of the Week. And then, you know, two weeks ago against, uh, you know, TCU goes out there and has 19 tackles, you know, has, you know, five, three tackles for loss, of which, you know, a couple were half tackles for loss. And so, you know, in on five TFLs, uh, the guy has just done nothing but fight hard, went out and got a little bumped up, came out, you know, in the uh, end of the first half, beginning of the second half of the club on his hand and, and went out there and, and still played a, a phenomenal game. And so the guy understands football. Um, he's been coached up incredibly well. Can't say enough about Coach Snow in that defense. But, you know, he's a guy that stepped into a, a pretty big pair of shoes and, and, and performed at an incredible level since he has. 
Yeah, talking to Elliot Coffey, former Baylor linebacker, um, was wrapped things up there uh, in 2011. Um, played with guys like Bryce Hager, uh, who went on to, um, you know, beat Texas in the 20 in 2013 to to clinch the Big 12 title. Um, but Elliot, you know, this uh, this three man line, Texas plays with a three man line, and it and Texas fans are going crazy because. They're not getting nearly the production that Baylor's three-man line is getting. Baylor leads the nation in sacks when rushing three. And it's James Lynch, a three-star product out of Round Rock. It's, it's James Lockhart. It's Bravion Roy. I mean, talk about what these guys are able to get done as, you know, Baylor's the, the Big 12 leader in sacks with 33. Yeah, I think that what you really see is that at every level of this defense, people are clicking. Safety position, linebacker position, just playing a proper assignment football. I mean, you talk about the big guys up front. Bravion Roy uh, really kind of had his coming out party against Kansas State. That was the first time that we saw him not only play the two-gap well, but really take it times three defenders at once. And so just allowing our linebackers to be free-flowing. you got a James Lynch as a guy that you brought up who just has an unrelentless motor. Um, he really has been the guy on this defense. Even you know going back two years when we really struggled and went 1-11, he was out there producing. Um, and then James Lockhart is a guy who's a transfer uh, from down the street, and he's another guy that's just out there. And, 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 and these guys understand football, and, and they play hard. One thing you'll notice on Saturday um, is that these guys never stop running. They're fast. They're aggressive. They're hungry. You know, they're chasing the ball. They're making sure that they don't get too far upfield or squeeze the pocket. Um, and, and quite frankly, we're seeing more production out of those three than I can think of any time, whether it was me playing or, you know, the guys that won the Big 12 championship. You didn't even see that kind of production out of – uh, out of a four-man line. So it's really, really incredible what you're seeing right now from them. Yeah, and then you, you, my man, Chris Miller. Good God. <laughs> that dude destroys people. I mean, right. I, I feel sorry for, for Sam Ellinger because Sam's going to have to run for Texas to have any chance to win in this game, and Chris Miller's probably going to try to crack a few ribs. <laughs> that's, it'll be downhill. That's, that's what he does. Sam... Um, I, I think it's safe to say between him and and, uh, and Hertz, best running quarterbacks in the conference. Big body, Tim Tebow type. I know that name's been thrown around, but with a much better arm. And so we do have a tall task, of course, to try to go out there and contain him. But Chris Miller and those guys will come downhill. The big thing about Chris is keep your head up. You know, he's been kicked out of three games this season for targeting penalties. And so um, you saw him, you know, tackle with his head up. You saw him cross body instead of, uh, you know, that kind of targeting or, uh, you know, spearing like tackle. But has been downhill. You've seen a complete shift in him taking poor angles, you know, the last few years and really just being a stud for our defense this year. Um, Elliot, how has Matt Rule taken this program with 45 scholarships, uh, one of the worst off-the-field scandals in, in college football history? Uh, it, it, it was embarrassing to be a part of Baylor football for some. Matt Rule comes in, goes 1-11, and and here he is with a team that's nine and one and playing to get into the big 12 championship against Texas on Saturday. How's he done it? I mean, the coach rule practices what he preaches. I mean, he, he walks the walk and he talks the talk and he's been the exact same person from the second he walked on campus up until the point that this became a nine and zero and now a nine and one football team. Uh, he's really working to develop these kids, not only 
into men on the field, but clearly off the field as well. He's making sure that he's bringing on board strong character guys. He's making sure that he's reincorporating, you know, old guys like myself. He's bringing them back on board to meet these kids. But I mean, he just, he, he lives by a code. He's a great man. He's a great coach. And, um, what he did is he addressed the issues that we were, we were dealing with head on. He didn't hide from anything. Um, he, he hasn't shied away from the issues that the university had. He hasn't shied away from, um, you know, the problems that, that were in the program when he showed up, he's addressed everything head on. And I think when there's an honesty and a transparency, uh, people feel that and and people are attracted to it. And, you know, ultimately not only being a a strong character guy, but really just being an X's and O's football coach, uh, not overlooking any tiny detail, uh, has caused this program to, and I think everybody, myself included, is pretty surprised about how quick this turned around. I think we were, we were positive that we were going to be a good team, but to say that we would be nine and one at this point going into play the university of Texas, I don't think anybody thought we could do it this, this quick. And so, um, just making sure he crosses all of his I's, dots all of his T's, or I guess the other way around, dots all of his I's and crosses all of his T's is, is kind of his M.O., and he's been living by it. Talking to Elliot Coffey, linebacker on uh, Art Brile's first 10-win team in 2011. And um, what, what's been the most impressive victory uh, for Baylor this season? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I they've won I'd pro- at K State. They've won I'm, at Oklahoma State at TCU. I would probably say K State, um, just because you know one thing that we've been working on is is running the ball effectively between the tackles. We've dealt with some injuries on the offensive line. We've done, done some shuffling, and so um, John Lovett is a guy you'll see out there running back. Jermichael Hasty uh, is a guy that got more reps simply because he was better in pass protection. Uh, and they handed him the ball more. We, we ran the ball so well in the second half. You know, Kansas State is a notorious, and UT understands too, it's a, a notoriously difficult place to play. It's hard to control the clock. It's hard to run the football. Um, they play very sound football. They play incredible defense. And so to see us not only go out there and play well in the second half, but create the separation that we did on the ground, uh, I think, in my opinion, is the most impressive win we have all season. All right. And you've you've seen Texas and – you obviously know Baylor up close and personal. Um, you got this great uh, con, you know, contrast, but matchup of of Lake Travis and Charlie Brewer against Westlake with Sam Ellinger, Charlie Brewer's dad, Robert Brewer, former Texas quarterback. Charlie didn't get a sniff from Texas, just like his brother Michael Brewer did not get a sniff from Texas. Just talk about the mindset of Charlie Brewer and 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 his ability to to lead when it when it's crunch time. Yeah, I mean it's Chip. It's no surprise that there's a lot of guys out there, myself included, that have a chip on their shoulder that they didn't get an offer from the University of Texas. I mean, you don't you don't have to call it anything other than it is. And so for Charlie to be a guy from Austin, clearly played a, a grew up playing against Sam. Um, you know, he, he also has that chip on his shoulder because he was in the backyard and didn't get the opportunity. And he's seeing the success that Sam had. I mean, you think about you guys in the Sugar Bowl last year, Texas is back. That was a huge moment for the entire state. And so, you know, Charlie was it was watching that and it, it had to have uh, affected him. And then, of course, you tack on the fact that his grandfather and father played at the university as well. Um, it's a big opportunity for him. I think that this probably stands out a little bit more than the others, and he may may not agree with that or may not say that out in the open, but it means something, right? He grew up wearing the uniform, grew up going to the games, and so 
Um, it's a huge opportunity. And of course, that rivalry that him and Sam have had going on since high school um, will carry some weight as well. And so, you know, Charlie's a guy that is go out there. He's a rough and tumble. I mean, he's in the truest sense of the word, a Texas guy. Um, and so he'll, he'll go out there and, and, you know, make plays with his feet. He'll put his guys in position. He's got some talented receivers, uh, put them in position to make plays. And, you know, ultimately, like you said at the beginning, Charlie has played phenomenal in the fourth quarter. And so you'll see him go out there and close the game out as well. Denzel Mims, um, 10 touchdown catches this year. He's got 50 catches for 757 yards. Talk about why he's so effective. Yeah. Uh, Denzel, um, has stepped into a leadership role. He he always had the talent, uh, but I think what we waited on was him to see the preparation and the talent come together and actually start with production. And so, you know, this year he's had a, a slew of, of clutch, just about every game that we've won in the fourth quarter. He's had some type of, uh, you know, game-changing catch, whether it's on the sideline, whether it's a touchdown. He's become the go-to guy. He's got the size. He's got the speed. And, and what you're seeing now is kind of that, that killer instinct. And just like everybody else out there, he's, you know, battled, you know, some, some health issues, you know, because you get banged out. You get banged up. And so um, – He's really just, he, he's gone out there, he's catching the ball well with his hands and, you know, just going out there and playing fierce, playing angry. Now, what, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up on this. What, what's your prediction for Saturday at 2.30? Baylor playing for a berth in the Big 12 Championship, Texas trying to pick up the pieces. Yeah, Chip, you're going to get me in trouble with this question, man. People love hitting me with this here at the end. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I think it's a tight game. I think, you know, Texas is a couple of plays away from being a nine and one team as well. Um, and so I think, you know, ultimately it's going to be tight. I think it comes down to a field goal um, and something along the lines of 37, 34, my bears pull out the win. 37, 34. Uh, Elliot coffee, man, great conversation. It's uh, it's been great uh, getting to know you and I look forward to, uh, to catching up again down the road. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, great stuff with Elliot Coffey. Wow, what a what a guy and uh, and knows the the Baylor program inside and out, Taylor. All right, it is time for our tailgate takeaways. You want to go first, or you want me to go first? Um, let's hear you. I want to hear okay. what yours are first. All right, so here's here's how buttoned up Baylor is. Okay, they've got they lead the Big Twelve in scoring defense. They uh, lead the Big Twelve in sacks in turnover margin they're tied with texas tech plus seven they lead the big 12 in pass efficiency defense and they lead all of fbs with five blocked kicks so they're making plays defensively they're getting it done on special teams they've got a kicker who's made some clutch kicks to get them into overtime they've got an overachieving uh, sophomore linebacker and Terrell Bernard, an overachieving defensive end from Round Rock named James Lynch, who leads the Big 12 in sacks. I mean, this is such a well-coached Baylor team that it's going to take blood and guts leadership and just a force of will to win from Sam Ellinger, in, in my opinion, much like Jalen Hurts. Now, when Bobby and I were talking, I wasn't trying to say that Sam can run like Jalen Hurts, but he's just going to have to run right. and find a way to move the sticks, keep drives alive. 
if if he gets no help from the game plan, then Sam Ellinger just has to take the game over. And he's going up against Charlie Brewer. I mean, this is Lake Travis versus Westlake all over again. It's an unbelievable storyline. Charlie Brewer, the son of former Texas quarterback Robert Brewer. And this is what Matt Rule talked about at Big 12 Football Media Days, and I'm not sure that anyone was really listening. Now, I did pick Baylor to be in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, you did. I picked them to be playing against Texas, but it looks like they're going to play OU. So, Taylor, Charlie Brewer got over on Sam Ellinger when they were in high school. Mm-hmm. Sam Ellinger, and I hate to put this all on him, but he's not getting, he, is not, he has not been getting a lot of help uh, from, in my mind, Tom Herman, the play caller, and the offensive game plan. He might just have to go off script and make some unbelievable blood and guts plays and just run for his life and try to keep Texas in this game. We'll see. Uh, I don't have a good feeling about it right now, but As a I don't put anything past Sam Ellinger either. This guy, yeah. you know, he, no one wants to win more than he does. Right. What no, say I, you, my friend? You know, um, mine's going to come on uh, the offensive side of the ball too. And it's converting on third downs. So Baylor is one of the worst third down defenses in the country. Um, they rank ninth in the um, Big 12, and I believe it's 89th nationally in FBS. Um, they're allowing, uh, what was it, 42% of third down conversion. I know that's been a struggle for Texas, at least against Iowa State. They had eight three and outs. You know, I think that if Texas wants to take any type of control of this game, they have to follow what OU did in the second half. And that is, you know, extend drives, stay on the field, control the game clock, you know, and that's something that comes with, you know, converting on third downs. So that's a lot to ask, it seems like right now, which seems absurd to me, Um, just considering the fact that, you know, everybody's been, the defense has been a question mark all season long. It was before the season, it was a question mark. Um, losing a starters, that's never going to be easy for any program. And then relying on, you know, inexperienced guys, that doesn't help either. So the fact that this is coming from the offense where it's something that we're asking them is something so simple as convert on third down attempts. I mean, that's just kind of absurd right now. So I think Texas, you know, if if they want to really just kind of not make this season get out of hand, this is going to be all on the offense and it's going to be about, you know, maintaining drives and not just doing stupid play calling and going three and out eight times like they did against Iowa State. So if that's the case, this is going to be really ugly. Like, yeah. really. Because you, you can only ask the defense to do so much, you know? And it's like, right. Baylor no. has a defense. Look what, I, or look what Oklahoma did to them in the second half because they were on the field the entire game. They were on the field you know, 25 minutes of the 30 minutes on the game clock in the second half. That's a great point. And uh, get over to horns247.com, hang out. We can all just hang out together, console each other. Yeah. Um, be your shoulder to cry on. <laughs> be your shoulder to cry on. Look, it's going to get better. Christel Conte will make sure that it gets better. Um, so Tom Herman better be making his wish list. Uh, of what he needs to get figured out on offense. Um, 
and and make sure that he gets it right. But that's for another day. Get over to horns247.com. Uh, read all the great stuff from Taylor Estes, the managing editor, Jeff Howe. The guy's uh, just a prolific analysis machine. Mike Roach, Clint Buckley, getting it all uh, on the recruiting front. And myself trying to, you know, keep a straight face right now about uh, the fact that uh, this this team needs to evolve. And let's see it Saturday against Baylor and Waco at 2.30. That would be uh, a refreshing change after three really poor performances offensively away from home against Oklahoma, TCU, and then Iowa State. See if Texas can buck that trend. All right, Taylor, let's do it again next week. Thanks to Bobby Burton. Thanks to Elliot Coffey. This has been Episode 7 of The Flagship. We'll talk to you next week. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.